1: and we're back episode number 15 of the announcer schedule podcast we got a good one for you this week i'm your host mike gill phil demont malin he is at announcer Scheds, and we've got week one nfl highlights we've got all your college football stuff and don't forget we got the guest this week uh, baseball ncaa tournament nfl he'll be on cbs sunday westwood one monday night Tom McCarthy will be our guest later on. Phil, we've got a good show for the announcer schedule podcast episode 15. Here we go.
2: Yeah, can't wait. Tom McCarthy, one of the best in the business, no doubt, from up in your uh, neck of the woods up there in the the Philadelphia market and certainly, you know, all sorts of experience on the national side as well. And he's got a busy weekend coming up that we're going to talk to him about Also, and then, of course, NFL, college football. I mean, we are in full swing now.
1: We are. So rate, review, subscribe. You can get us on the Sports Media Watch feed. You can go back and listen to great conversations. Barry Tompkins last week, why he hated the Rocky movies. Uh, Len, uh, excuse me, Roxy Bernstein a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Roxy's been all over the place. Uh, Mark Hessischer, who is now in full season form. Rick Allen, the NASCAR voice. Kevin Kugler on the NFL. Larry Colmas, the uh, Kentucky Derby triple crown voice. Bob Wischusen, John Forsland. So if you missed any of those uh, interviews, you can go back and listen on the Sports Media Watch feed. Rate, review, subscribe. Phil and I drop on Thursdays is when you can get us, and that's where we'll start. Thursday night football. You had Bills-Rams last week. Uh, their first Thursday night game, and of course, this Thursday, you're going to get the debut of the Amazon Prime Al Michaels-Kirk Street team, so Thursday night football.
2: Yeah, Thursday night football got started last week. You know, it was it was kind of interesting how NBC had the rights to that very first game, um, sort of as expected in terms of that Tarico collinsworth crew on Thursday night. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about them once we get to this past Sunday night's game, but... Uh, This week, of course, the Amazon Prime debut with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit. They did have a dress rehearsal uh, for a preseason game that went over the air that looked awfully good um, up in um, a couple weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, the real deal this Thursday night with uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, Obviously, the Thursday night team, NBC, did
1: two games, and we heard the shrapnel of doing two games with Chris Collinsworth uh, losing voice on Sunday night uh, this past week.
2: Yeah, that's right. It, you know, it was kind of a tough listen, to be honest, because Collinsworth's voice was in such bad shape. And, you know, NBC, you know, decided to go ahead with him despite, you know, kind of his voice not sounding. Did they have up other options,
1: speed? Phil? Did they have any choice there? People were saying, hey,
2: why not give the guy the week off? Did they have someone they could have gone to? Well, that's an interesting discussion because, you know, they don't really have it in terms of like an analyst, you know, who's doing games alongside a play-by-play announcer. You know, there's not that much more inventory on NBC other than Notre Dame, which is Jason Garrett is the analyst and, you know, he's brand new to that role. You know, the other, the only options I could really think of that would maybe make sense would be one of the guys from the studio, uh, whether it's Tony Dungy or perhaps Rodney Harrison, you know, one of them may have made sense. So perhaps that's the the way they could have gone. But all in all, you know, and maybe Collinsworth was part of this decision as well, and maybe Tariko and, you know, just, you know, they decided to, to stick with Collinsworth. But, you know, it's a tough decision to make, I would imagine, if you're the producer of that show or the executive producer and have to make that call. But the only real options I could you know, think that would make sense would be either a Dungy or Harrison.
1: Yeah. And, um, did make reference to it. He says, you know, you're playing hurt, man. Uh, he basically did acknowledge that, uh, the voice was, uh, having a rough night at the office there. So that was uh, your NBC Sunday filled With fantastic finishes, we had new voices getting big games, so uh, we'll go through some of the uh, exciting finishes there. Joe Davis, the Niners-Bears game, you had that in the rain, you had Ian Eagle on the Steelers-Bengals, what a finish that was. Kenny Albert had that great Saints-Falcons, so uh, man, a lot of close
2: games, a lot of down-to-the-wire finishes. Where do we want to start? Well, we talked about this last week, how probably the single most important factor in a successful broadcast is a close game to the to the absolute finish. And that week one of Sunday games certainly had them Uh, probably the the most exciting of all was that that Steelers Bengals game, not only, you know, in terms of the excitement of it and going to overtime and all that, but the idea that it was being shown to uh, a big part of the country and, you know, certainly a, a big matchup, not just regionally, but nationally uh, with implications and Iron Eagle and, and Charles Davis and that crew did a fantastic job.
1: Yeah. Let's take a listen to Iron Eagle with the game winner from Chris Boswell.
2: Boswell trying to get it
1: done. Snap placement, kick on the way. Boswell. That's a winner. Unforgettable season opener. There you go. Hits it perfectly. He is just as solid as they come unforgettable season opener. That's a winner with the Eagle. Good call. Iron and Eagle uh, CBS. Yeah,
2: I, I, absolutely. You know, it's love listening to eye and Eagle. You know wh- Whatever sport it might be. And uh, certainly did justice to that Steelers Bengals game. And then, you know, Saints Falcons also, you know, coming down to the wire as well. And you um, you know, that was over on Fox, Kenny Albert on the call for that one. His partner um for that game was Jonathan Vilma, the former Saint. And, uh, yeah, that one came down to the wire as I well. I liked
1: Vilma in the pregame. Don't know if you saw it back and forth with Sean Payton. Hey, coach, uh, what should he do differently? Well, don't be so serious. Have a smile a little bit. Uh, he was having a little fun with his former coach there. But you're right. Kenny Albert nailed it on a 63-yard attempt to try to win it for the Falcons. Here it was. Falcons trailing by one. Move from 63 yards out. It was blocked. And the Saints. Falcons trailing by one. There you go. Kenny Albert on the Fox call. The blocked 63-yarder. Man, we saw a 63-yard attempt to try to win a game and a 64-yard attempt to try to win a game this week.
2: Yeah, wild as far as how many of these came down to to field goal attempts. And, you know, Albert and Eagle, you know, there's that familiarity, too, you know, that you just kind of know it's a big moment. You know, it just feels so comfortable. You've heard them for so many years on on calls like this. And, you know, once again, at that game being played in Atlanta, uh, Albert and uh, Vilma got it done. Uh, All right, we'll go
1: to another game-winning opportunity, Phil. We had uh, the Browns, Panthers. We know the buildup with – Baker Mayfield, but it came down to another kick. Take a listen. York to try to win the game. The kick. Oh, look at this. There's distance, and Cade York wins it for Cleveland. There you go. Spiro Dede's on the call. Jay Feely, a kicker, watching it. Oh, look at this. And the, they let it play out there. The camera shows Baker Mayfield uh, in despair.
2: Yes. uh, Spiro Didis and Jay Feely on the CBS call. And you're exactly right. Like the idea that Feely, the kicker, you know, he's used by CBS often as that special teams, you know, analyst, you know, where he he's brought in sometimes with Nance and Romo and Wolfson as a fourth voice, uh, just to focus on special teams. And he's down there giving specifics about the kicking game and, you know, uh, Scenarios exactly like this, you know, what it exactly means and what the the likelihood that the, the kick would be good and all that kind of things. And so to have Feely alongside Detus for a uh, game-winning field goal attempt at the end there, perfect. Uh, a
1: name that's been around for a while, Chris Myers, him and Robert Smith had the Commanders and the Jags, and it came down uh, to uh, a late play in that game.
3: His first NFL game after missing all of last year. And Lawrence on the run, throwing it deep,
1: and intercepted. Did he stay in bounds? Derek did. has the takeaway. There's the winning interception there. So it came down. That was the final. It was third down and 11 there, and uh, Trevor Lawrence gets picked off.
2: Yeah I'm a big fan of Chris Myers you know very versatile great in the studio as well does some great work on the the NASCAR side also has been around a long time you know uh, ESPN Sports Center uh, you name it he's actually got Miami roots um, like myself you know he got started uh, down there as far as really kind of getting his career up and running and uh, yeah you know Jags commanders these these Finishes just go on and on. And, you know, Robert Smith alongside Chris Myers. Uh, Jennifer Hale was the reporter for that one.
1: All right. Uh, and then our friend Kevin Kugler. if you missed our conversation with him, you can go back through the Sports Media Watch feed and get the Kevin Kugler conversation. He had the call along with Mark Sanchez as the Giants go for two. Shovel. Barkley breaks a tackle. Dives in for two. Giants take the lead, 21-20, with 106 to play in the fourth.
3: I mean, they had that thing dead to rights in the backfield. I thought, no way.
1: There's the uh, call right there. Kugler and Sanchez, and you hear Sanchez, wow, basically in all that, hey, the culture seems to be changing in New York. They go to w- try to win the game, and they do.
2: Yeah, I have a good friend who's a Giants fan who lives here in Asheville, North Carolina where I'm at and he actually made the trip over there to Nashville to to attend that game and he was reporting to me just how many Giants fans were in the building and it kind of surprised me like, you know, I understand when there's a ton of Giants fans down at a place like, you know, Miami or you know, uh, Chicago or, you know, Philly or what have you. But, you know, to, to be kind of in the deep south and still show up big and uh, kind of, t- you know. Uh-
1: Nashville's a new spot, though, Phil. Uh, people in the northeast, Nashville is like a, a spot
2: that people up here want to try to get to. Yeah, it makes sense, but uh, yeah, really cool, and then and to hear our, our buddy uh, Kevin Kugler bring it home there, but all in all, I mean, we just played five different clips, plus there was a couple other games that kind of came down to the wire as well. Hey, the game we met- I was
1: watching, uh, Philadelphia and the Lions, um, which came down to, it wasn't the last play, but really the Eagles get that big run on on a third down and short, and that kind of seals the deal, but 38-35, you had a great game Uh, There as well with the Eagles and the Lions, and that was uh, Adam Amin
2: and Mark Schlereth, who I thought had a good game. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, just these fantastic finishes. For those who are old enough may remember Alcoa Fantastic Finishes, which was like a, a little segment that they would play during the NFL broadcast on Sunday, kind of a look back at you know, I like either, you know, a week ago or that kind of thing where there was just this incredible finish and it was sponsored by Alcoa and, you know, kind of this, you know, big little segment. But, you know, what a start to the NFL. The league and the broadcast partners have to be happy as far as all that excitement on Sunday.
1: Okay. And the broadcast partners uh, had to be happy with Monday Night Football. It had the big game feel, it felt different. I got to be honest, last year I was generally a Manning Cast guy. Phil, Amount of time spent watching Manningcast this year, zero minutes. Buck and Aikman had the big game feel,
2: and I didn't leave the game. I didn't go to the Manningcast. Yeah, that's sort of a you know a byproduct of all this is the idea that really the Manningcast viewership very well might suffer. You know, because of the the strong booth. It did. It was end. one
1: point six million on average last year. It went down to one point five for the debut, and you would think that will only go down maybe as the season goes on. We'll see.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to me as far as the ESPN broadcast. And kind of like you, Mike, I I didn't really watch any of the the Manning cast. Did you um, last year? Yes, I did. did.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm sure TJ and John on the Sports Media Watch podcast will definitely have more on the Buck and Aikman numbers. The ratings for that were very good. The ratings in general for football have been huge. But let's take a listen to Buck and Aikman debuting Monday night football. Splits. Homer picked it up briefly and sniffed flips Wide open, caught. Just Lee. Touchdown. What a start. Excellent call. You know, uh, a lot of it, very fragmented, the pauses, the short, quick boom, then he lets it play out. Joe Buck had a good opening night.
2: Yeah, you know, Buck has talked about it before, and people have, you know, um, opined on this, that, you know, he's got sort of that Pat Summerall feel to it, you know, in terms of that sort of like minimalist pr- approach on those big plays and that kind of thing, and, you know, certainly uh, has has gotten it done many, many years, you know, on the, on the NFL side, and, you You know, even though he's not doing major league baseball anymore, certainly, you know, uses that style on MLB as well. And, you know, kind of one of my takeaways was, you know, noticing even though it's Buck and Aikman how it kind of feels different at the same time because it's an espn production so you're watching with your eyes and you're seeing the espn graphics and you're seeing sort of like the style of espn in terms of what the director brings you in terms of the pictures yet there's buck and aikman you know um calling the game and although it was certainly familiar and i thought it was a successful broadcast all in all it did have a totally different feel for it it didn't feel like what Buck and Aikman have felt like over the years—it yeah. did have a different look, feel, and just you know, yeah. overall approach.
1: Well, you know, the, whether you're a fan or not of the ESPN graphics pack, it's very cartoonish with the the the, the, the character running, and he's—they uh, had that episode there. There was a moment in the game uh, where Aikman said, "Oh, my my uh, telestrator's not working." He tried to circle a play and. Uh, the thing didn't work. He, he kind of said something there. I, I thought you're right. It de- it just felt Monday night felt different with those two guys doing the game. The last couple of years, uh, let's be honest, you know, some of the booths, while they didn't do a bad job, the feel was different. It didn't have that big game feel. You felt like, hey, these guys are solid, but it goes back to the whole thing uh, that people debate, Phil, how much do people
2: watch a game for an announcer? Eh. I think that's still unknown oh in this case it it might be proving that argument that in fact people do tune in for the announcers because as we we started with as far as taking viewers away from the manning cast and that kind of thing what you know time will tell exactly once all the numbers shake out now it's also worth noting is getting better games than they have the last few years in terms of the actual matchup so it's always worth kind of considering that as well but Monday night football such a proud franchise you know in terms of the brand name and it's just been so um synonymous with the NFL over the years and you know admittedly you know they've struggled with you know getting it right these last uh few years as far as the the booth and you know exactly who they want up there and being the face of Monday Night Football and uh certainly I think this is as good a shot as they've got, you know, in terms of uh, turning around that franchise and making it a big deal on Monday nights. Once again,
1: all right. announcer schedule scheduled podcast. Let's rip through week two starts Thursday night with the Amazon prime. Of course, you've got Amazon, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, Kaylee Hartung, and then the radio crew, Ian Eagle, Tony Baselli. that kicks us off. And then we got the week two Sunday slate. So right back into it this week.
2: Yeah, certainly all eyes will be on Amazon Prime uh, Thursday kickoff. It will be interesting. You know, we've been talking about this all summer. You know, now that it's actually a regular season game with, you know, a lot of high stakes and that kind of thing, are there going to be some people who are having trouble finding it and, you know, adjusting to the whole streaming world and all that? We know they've uh, worked out some deals in terms of making sure the bars and restaurants are able to you know, uh, loop it in, in that kind of thing. So, you know, hopefully that'll work out well, but, you know, it's worth kind of keeping an eye on that side of things as well, but certainly from a announcer standpoint, I think they're in very capable hands. Of course, uh, we watched that preseason game a couple weeks ago in Michaels and Herb street, despite never working together, sounded like uh, they had been doing it for years already. And Kaylee Hartung, even though she spent a couple years on the news side and away from sports, uh, familiar territory for her you know when, when she left uh, ESPN uh, she was one of the top sideline reporters on the college football side and you know it seems like she's going to handle this with ease on the on the NFL side so you know it'll be really interesting Chargers and Chiefs you know and uh, looking forward to that broadcast and then a, a full slate of day, games come Sunday of course.
1: Absolutely by the way a friend of mine uh, texted me the other night, had no clue that the game was only on Amazon, that he had to have Prime. So people, uh, get ready. You're going to be surprised if you're listening. I would imagine most people listening to our podcast, if you enjoy this genre, you are well aware. But there are people out there, uh, at least I hope you're well aware, right? If you're listening to our podcast announcer schedules, here we go, Sunday Why don't you break it down for us, Phil, because we got uh, a lot. CBS, radio, ESPN radio, Compass radio, Sports USA. They all call games on radio. Plus, you have all, of course, the local markets. But uh, you got CBS, Fox, and the radio broadcasts.
2: Yeah, another big slate of games, uh, no doubt about it. And um, I'm actually going to be working one of these games. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm heading up to to Pittsburgh to to help out ESPN Radio with the Patriots Steelers game. I'll be working with Chris Carlin and Sal Palatonio uh, is the the analyst. So really looking forward to that. the The TV crew for this one, same crew that did the Steelers. Uh, Bengals game to get things started so they'll they'll have back-to-back Steelers games Ian Eagle Charles Davis and Evan Washburn on the the CBS call Um, and then yeah you know just to run through kind of the play by players Dolphins Ravens Kevin Harlan on the call uh, Jets Browns um, Spiro Deeds. Uh, Colts, Jaguars, our guests later in the show, Tom McCarthy will be on the call with Tiki Barber. Bucks Saints, uh, that's the Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson crew. So that number one Fox crew is going to be on a one o'clock game this time. Buccaneers at Saints. Uh, Panthers, Giants, that'll be that Joe Davis crew uh, who was up in Chicago last week. Commanders and Lions, that's the Kenny Albert crew uh seahawks niners now we're getting into the four o'clock games uh that'll be adam amin so they make um you know a trip out west amin and Schlereth, and then falcons rams our buddy kevin kugler and mark sanchez and then the cbs four o'clock game uh the primary game as far as most of the country Bengals, cowboys nance and romo and then also on cbs cardinals raiders with greg gumbel who was a guest on the sports media watch feed not too long ago and also texans broncos andrew catalone on that call espn radio for that texans broncos game Uh, george sedano who we've talked about a bit on the show uh, getting um, an nfl assignment there Uh, He'll be working with Mike Mayock for that one on the radio side. So those are your Sunday day games and then, you know, right back at it with Sunday night football, Bears, Packers, uh, that evening, Torrico and Collinsworth.
1: By the way, Sal Palantonio every Friday on my show at 3 o'clock. So make sure you tell Sal Mike Gill says hello. And if he uh, gives you any problems, Phil, you let me know if he's a diva or not in that booth. But he'll be on my show uh, 3 o'clock every Friday. We call it Sal Pal Fridays. So there's uh, our worlds connecting there. All right. Uh, by the way, on radio, Chris Carlin, Palantonio. Compass has Chris Carino and Brian Baldinger on the Dolphins-Ravens. That's on Compass. Uh, the Sports USA is Larry Kahn and James White for Buccaneers Saints. Then you got Sports USA of the 4 o'clock game. John Ehlers and Hank Bauer still calling games. Uh, that's Seahawks and 49ers. Compass Media also is the rights holder for uh, Cowboys games, and that's Kevin Ray and Danny White. Uh, that will be Bengals Cowboys on Compass, and then as
2: you mentioned, Sedano and Mike Mayock is on ESPN Radio. How about that? Yeah, that that should be an interesting um, pairing, no doubt. And you know, Mayock you know, with a lot of experience, no doubt about it. I've heard Mayock. I think do Westwood One in the past.
1: I don't think I've ever seen him do an ESPN radio or anything. He was NFL Network, obviously, on the draft. But this is the first assignment I've ever seen him get on ESPN.
2: Yeah, I'd have to really look back on on the archives on my side to see if he's ever done that before, but uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, One more just to mention on the radio side, Bears-Packers on Sunday night. That'll be Ryan Radke play-by-play and Mike Golick Sr., as the analyst for on that Westwood one call on Sunday night.
1: Okay. And uh, then on Monday, we've got a double header and uh, our guest Tom McCarthy will be on the radio side for Westwood one with Ross Tucker, a Philly area guy. And that of course will be uh, a kind of new Monday night football
2: pairing for ESPN on the TV side. Yeah. So the TV side, Steve Levy, Dan Orlovsky, lewis riddick laura rutledge on the sidelines levy and riddick uh along with brian greasy you know were the monday night football crew last year and they've kind of you know reassigned them a bunch a, a bit you know and brought in dan orlovsky at the same time and they'll be doing these second games on the on a a Situation like this when there's two Monday night football games, I believe there's a playoff game in their future as well. And then also um, Levy's doing some games on the on the radio side. That's where he was this past week. Uh, Steve Levy working uh, some play by play on the ESPN radio side. He did the Ravens Jets game uh, along with Mike Tannenbaum last week on ESPN radio. So, you know, certainly familiar voices. uh, You know, those guys know what they're doing and uh, that'll lead into you know the the game on ABC, um, which actually they'll be on, kind of playing at the yeah, same time. not a lead time in. They're the going night. to be congruent. Yeah, so seven fifteen start for the ESPN game. Titans-Bills, 8-30 for Vikings-Eagles. So they will be going on at the same time. So, you know, get that thumb ready to, to work that remote. And by the
1: way, the TV side, uh, Buck and Aikman are going to get the Eagles game. That's at 8-30. That's broadcast TV, ABC. Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner, the Westwood One feed. Uh, Will be there and uh, in the local market here in Philly. It'll be Merrill Reese and Mike Quick. Uh, K fan in Minnesota is the uh, call letters for the Vikings feed out there. I think it's Paul Allen on the play-by-play.
2: Interesting. You- hey, by the way, Mike, there was a question that came up from a listener um, about a week or so ago, and you know, since you you know work at an affiliate of a lot of these national. Uh, sports syndicates who bring us um, the the action on uh, these play by play games for the NFL and college football and MLB and so forth. And the question was this: When ESPN Radio has two games going on at the same time, you know, and there was a situation on um, a recent night where you know there was an MLB game, and there was also a football game at the same time. Yeah, how does that work in terms of the listener, in terms of the affiliates? Um, you know, are they able to to listen to both somehow? Um, do the affiliates get to choose? Does ESPN uh, make the call? How does that work when there's two games going on at once on the same network?
1: Yeah, it varies uh, station affiliate to affiliate. I'm the program manager here. I pick the game. So we will generally go with Sunday night football over Sunday night baseball. Westwood one. Now, if you're not a Westwood one affiliate, you would not have that option. You would carry Sunday night mm-hmm. baseball. You have to be an affiliate of Westwood One to get the Westwood One game, which we are. And then you would choose whether you want baseball or football. Um, no, you cannot hear both. You have to, and, and you cannot stream. You can stream Westwood One games now. That is actually new this year, but there's a lot of um, things that have to happen behind the scenes. You have to do this, that, and the other. So some stations may stream. We get this all the time because we carry the Eagles. We cannot stream Eagles games on our app. And people will email us saying, hey, I tried to listen on the app. I couldn't hear the game. NFL rules, you cannot stream the games on an app service. So to answer the question, it varies from affiliate to affiliate. Um, It happens a lot on a Sunday. Like this Sunday coming up, for instance, there is a Sunday afternoon baseball or Sunday night baseball game. a Saturday night. Saturday baseball game and a Saturday college football game. The affiliate can choose which feed they want, and then you set your receiver to that feed, and they will send you the football game. So you pick which one you want, which is more you know, to your market. I'm sure a station in the south was probably going college football. Maybe a station in the northeast might go baseball, depending on who the matchup is. So that's how it kind of works. It's up to the individual market.
2: Yeah. And if I remember right, it was a case where, you know, where the question came up most recently. If you remember during Labor Day uh, weekend, there was a Monday night college football game. I believe it was the LSU Florida State uh, that went down to the wire and that night that was on ESPN radio and also on ESPN radio was Rangers Astros with our buddy Roxy Bernstein on the call. So I guess affiliates that evening, Monday night of Labor Day, had the choice. Well, this is going to happen a to lot
1: too because the Major League Baseball playoffs are going to start coming into play in October seventh, eighth. I think it's that weekend. There's college football on a Saturday. There's a Major League Baseball playoff game on a Saturday. The affiliate can choose if they want the football or the baseball. Now, that's if yeah, you're an ESPN, in, in the case of the, the That's if you're an ESPN. Go ahead, Mike. That's if you're an ESPN radio affiliate. You might be a Fox affiliate, or NBC doesn't exist anymore, but CBS Sports Radio, they don't get the ESPN games. Then you would choose maybe a Compass game. Then it, it dep- there's a lot of nuances if, if you're an affiliate of Compass. Are you an affiliate of Westwood One? Are you an affiliate of Sports USA or Touchdown Radio? We are an affiliate of all of them, so we can choose whichever game we want that serves our market the best. But if you're an ESPN radio affiliate, you get those ESPN games. You can choose an ESPN game, football,
2: baseball, or, hey, you know what? I like the Westwood One game better. I'm going to play that. One more note just on the ESPN radio side from from the listener's perspective. You can toggle back and forth and listen to whichever game you want on the ESPN app. And it's actually a really, you know, very functional on in the terms ESPN of other, the- app, not the stations, not the local stations app. Correct. So on the ESPN app, you know, there's a um, listen live function and it actually gives you the choice of which game you want to listen to. So that's, you know, that's a nice service to the listeners as far as, you know, what ESPN radio is doing there. But, you know, it's it's a compelling question and, and probably interesting decision making from people like yourself as far as, you know, these situations. Yeah, now, Phil,
1: you can see me. The listeners can't. But I have a schedule and it's all written in different color pens and you can see. You know, each day, my choices of what I'm going to carry, what games I have to choose from, and, you know, I kind of go down the list. All right, uh, I've got, you know, coming up in November, for instance, I get really crazy. Look at that, you know, because we carry the Sixers and the Flyers, and we have college football, and, you know, if you are an affiliate of a team, we are an affiliate of the Eagles. So, the Eagles trump everything. They get first right. Um, And then, you know, Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night football is generally up there. On a Saturday, we could choose from ESPN's college game, Compass's college game, Westwood One's college game, Touchdown Radio's college game. We used to be a Rutgers affiliate, so they would be in the mix as well. And you got to kind of – the baseball playoffs come into play, the Sixers and the Flyers start to get their schedule off the ground – so, yeah, it is a puzzle piece of picking which game goes on the radio.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. Appreciate you kind of pulling back the curtain there in terms of what goes on with the, the radio affiliates. and. Well, interestingly uh, yeah. enough,
1: Phil, the, the Phillies haven't made the playoffs in like 10 years. If they make the playoffs, we have the ESPN Radio baseball rights for playoffs, they would be entering the mix as well. So like a Phillies playoff game might be on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening up against a college football game, we would take the baseball feed instead of the football feed. But if the Phillies aren't in the game, we would probably go football over baseball depending on the matchup.
2: Makes sense. There you go.
1: All right, so – Yeah, just a little day in the life of uh, the program director picking games. It's actually kind of fun. We sit on a Tuesday and go through the matchups and who is more in our market going to be interested in those particular games. So let's talk college football. Wild results, quality games. We had the big noon with record ratings. Over 10 million people saw Gus Johnson on a great game.
2: Yeah, Alabama at Texas. I mean, we knew this was going to be a big deal when game day on ESPN in the you know big noon kickoff uh, pregame show were both going to be on site and you know all eyes on on Texas Alabama. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt on the call. You know, uh, familiar voices there for for a big game and this game was a lot closer than a lot of people uh, expected and came down to the wire, uh, but. You know, a a big number, of course, ratings wise, and a lot of attention on that Alabama-Texas game. But another example of Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt just getting a a great assignment there, you know, in terms of the big game. But – probably just as important going down to the wire.
1: Yeah, Joel Klatt, very underrated because, you know, he's not a huge name. that People don't really remember uh, his, you know, playing days. So he doesn't jump off the page. But I thought he had uh, one of the g- great uh, comments of the weekend on that play that everybody saw. Uh, I guess it happened uh, Texas was sacking Bryce Young in the end zone. And just a terrible call by the officials there. And Klatt didn't hold back, which, you know, sometimes you don't see, right, on on these broadcasts all that much. Um, And he basically said just, you know, the, the targeting call is horrible. The roughing the passer is horrible. I like the fact that a lot of times
2: they won't make the call like that. He called them right out. Yeah, not shy to, to call them out. And, you know, that that is an interesting kind of spot to be in because, you know, an announcer does have an understanding of just how hard the the job of a referee is down there in um, often cases, there's even, you know, some working relationships with those guys where you're able to see them, you know, before or after the game and, and kind of trade notes and that kind of thing. So, you know, you realize what they're going through, how hard their job is, especially with a, a, uh, you know, stadium, absolutely <laughs> rocking, deafening noise and all this, but at the same time, what the viewer wants is absolute honesty when it comes to those situations and, you know, tell it like it is.
1: Uh, This next one, kind of interesting. Want to get your thoughts. Notre Dame Marshall, Jack Collingsworth, Jason Garrett. You mentioned Garrett earlier. This is kind of his debut. He did the um, uh, USFL games with Collingsworth, but the reviews seemingly mixed on the debut of this Notre
2: Dame broadcast. Well, the you know probably the other big game in terms of result and then also attention was Notre Dame Marshall and it was the debut of this announcing crew, Jock Collinsworth and Jason Garrett. We talked about it a little bit uh, earlier um, on a earlier episode as far as Jock Collinsworth and Garrett getting this assignment. How? It's a huge assignment. Notre Dame football on NBC is such a big property for NBC and very limited experience for Jock Collinsworth and Jerry Jason Garrett in roles like this. Um, they worked together during the USFL this past spring, uh, so they were able to get some reps there. But, hey, it was the USFL. Yeah. You know, so how many people are, are really watching or, or scrutinizing those broadcasts prior to that uh the only play-by-play experience i could really find on a national level for Zach collinsworth was atlantic 10 basketball on nbc sports network um he's you know he's familiar working on big nbc shows but usually as part of the pregame show in sort of a you know on field um you know correspondent type of thing during the pregame show so a whole new role in stage for these guys and they did get mixed reviews, no doubt. I mean, oh, yeah. in fact, probably mostly negative reviews from folks. You know, and and um, you know that there we t- we we warned you. You know, the Notre Dame fan base is a loud and large yes. one. And if um, you just you know, they put probably...
1: Jack Collingsworth's name into your Twitter search, you will see what we're talking about. The, the reviews uh, seem – a lot of it was energy. Hey, can you give me some more energy? Uh, you appreciate Mike Tirico listening to this broadcast. And, you know, yeah, it seemed that people – look, and it's changed, and they did one game, let them grow together, but the, the reviews were not glowing for week one.
2: Well, yeah, so they, they, I'm sure, are going back to the drawing board in some ways and, and, and realizing, you know, that that they've got to continue to grow as a, as a booth. You know, the other thing worth mentioning, you know, people either love or hate Notre Dame right? Like there was just as many people probably starting to tune into that game, even though it's, you know, NBC, Notre Dame package rooting against Notre Dame and excited to see this upset and, you know, um, wanting Notre Dame to to fail and all these things, you know, hey, I, I have Miami Hurricanes roots that go back to the Catholics versus convicts days. I mean, they, I mean, they're talking about, hating a team in college football and there's probably it's one of those you love them or hate them type of thing and so you've got to bring energy when there's an upset as well yeah you know it's it's not about you know you you, you otherwise you're going to open yourself up to hey this is too and Notre Dame biased of a broadcast while it's a it's a national show so you know it, worth looking closely at that performance no doubt and uh, we'll see if they're able to improve Um, But, you know, you feel like there's, you know, sort of a hot seat type effect already happening there.
1: (laughs) All right. We had an upset there. We had an upset here. Bryce takes it. Falls to the ground. And Appalachian State has done it again. They come to College Station and they take down the number six team in the country. What a dominant performance by the Mountaineers. So much heart, so much passion. All right, uh, there we go. Anish Shroff and Brock Osweiler. A little bit more excitement on the call in that upset.
2: Yeah, so two weeks in a row, the Anish Shroff-Brock Osweiler team has gotten a fantastic finish a great game they called that north carolina state east carolina game if you remember back in in week one so two weeks in a row they get a fantastic game and this one wow app state going into texas AM and upsetting the aggies going into a huge sec program tiny little app state from the sunbelt i mean what an upset and they've done Amish this before trying- they beat michigan 07 yeah, you know, they they've got a knack for these kind of things. They are And uh, game days
1: going there this week because
2: of it. Absolutely. So game days going to App State, certainly a, a first time for that. That's up in my part of the country up here, Boone, North Carolina. I'll tell you what, they should be able to provide some incredible visuals of that campus and that stadium. It is one of the most beautiful campuses in the country, uh, nestled up here at at a higher elevation in the the Western North Carolina mountains and, you know, they should be bringing some beautiful sights and scenes. You know, the one thing that's really interesting though, you know, college game day going to app state. And by the way, like, it's already an impossible ticket. You know, the, the Troy at app state game, three 30 on Saturday. Um, the town is absolutely exploding. It's not that big of a town to begin with. Like the the place really isn't built for huge, huge crowds. You know, it's just little mountain uh, city and you know suddenly you know college game day' coming and you know the the whole world is, is focused on Little Boone North Carolina but the Troy at app state game at 3 30 p.m kind of interesting here and you know I I'd love to you know get an opinion from from John Lewis on this um, if it's ever happened before but college game day will be there however the game is going to be aired on ESPN plus so the act the game that college game day is leading up to, will not be on linear television. And that might be unprecedented. I'm not sure. I know College Game Day has been at a couple of FBS or FCS sites, and they've also done a couple like Ivy League uh, games and that kind of thing. I think they But did I'm not a, uh... sure whether those games ended up on, you know, um, one of the ESPN networks or not. But kind of interesting that – and part of it is, you know, some of this stuff is determined beforehand – and, you know, all the, the, you know, the network slots were already spoken for thir- 330. You know, there's games on every game on every network imaginable. Um, and then this one gets placed on ESPN plus, but a big opportunity for the announcers who got assigned to this David Jackson and Avery Hall, you know, that certainly, you know, there'll be people tuning in to ESPN plus. And I would imagine on the ESPN linear networks, they might do some live cut-ins and that kind of thing. Um, you know to complement you know the big buildup on college game day
1: yeah they've uh, I think they've done an hbcu um uh college game day as well uh in the past but yeah th- th- last week by the way they did game day and big noon were both at the same location uh, I wonder how where they had them situated and who had the bigger uh crowd of fans behind them
2: who yeah I- I'm not sure I you know I I was curious about as well and maybe maybe a listener was able to Observe that I wasn't able to really tune into too much of that that pregame on this past Saturday, but yeah, you know that that's just a testament of how big that Alabama-Texas matchup is I mean right. both shows are going there. Let's go,
1: Sean McDonough. Hit me up.
2: Still in field goal range.
1: Hooker throws end zone touchdown. Cedric Tillman. Watch Hendon Hooker. He doesn't have anything right away. But instead of going outside, he just climbs up in the pocket, and then he sees his big receiver bodied up and gives him a chance to make a play. Center Tillman. All right, Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge, his partner there. Uh, They had a moment where the mics were on. They didn't know it. They didn't say anything uh, crazy, crazy, but uh, they did get caught with that. Blackledge with a great breakdown there. And McDonough, you know, one of the criticisms of McDonough doing the football, you know, he had the the cracking of the voice sometimes – uh, NFL wasn't really the big feel for NFL, but
2: I like McDonough on the college game. Yeah, I think McDonough and Blackledge are, are top notch on the on the college game as well. And, you know, another one of just those familiar uh, voices, you know, plus Blackledge very familiar on the, the analyst side where you just kind of feel like it, it's a big game and it matters and that kind of thing. And, you know, this was a, a bit of a thriller, Tennessee, Pittsburgh. And, that was overtime, uh, kind of, by the way, that play. Yeah, so Tennessee taking the 34-27 win in overtime at Pitt. So, um, you know, Tennessee, that's been a suffering fan base there. So uh, some hope uh, over there in Knoxville, 2-0 and start to the season.
1: Okay, let's go to a maybe less familiar play-by-player, but here you go. Eric Collins, Northwestern, Duke.
2: point conversion on third and one, they run it! the day Hall was so close to crossing the end line but he lost it is a fumble recovered by right,
1: that's Eric Collins describing a run up the middle the ball comes out and uh, there you talk about the voice he kind of lost it there a
2: little bit uh, a lot of emotion from Eric Collins now Eric Collins is very familiar in my world because he's the, one of the announcers I work with on talent stats. And I actually was working with him on this game, you know, this past weekend, Duke Northwestern, and it turned out to be a, a great game. Um, you know, Duke going into Northwestern Northwestern, you know, had that big win. If you remember over Nebraska and Ireland and now Duke off to a two and zero start. And there were some wild plays. That one included, Eric Collins has been around a long time. You know, he, he has done a bunch of college football, uh, college hoops over the years. Uh, he's the voice of the Charlotte Hornets and uh, brings a, a a really cool approach to those broadcasts alongside Del Curry, Stephen Curry's father. And then, uh, he, you know, he dates all the way back to the Chicago Bulls days when he was a, a reporter on the bulls broadcast back in the Jordan years. So Collins with a ton of experience and brings a very exciting, you know, um, uh, take to things. And, uh, you know, I feel like he got that call, right. And I, I just want to say, it's been a joy to to work with Eric and I'm going to continue doing so throughout the season on college football Saturdays.
1: Okay. We've got a play by player coming up, Tom McCarthy. That's going to be our guest this week. Before we get to him, let's try to fit in a couple of more college calls from the weekend. This one is, Uh, Iowa, Iowa State. Drew Stevens, Blom won the job, and he's got a chance here to send this thing to overtime.
2: Through the raindrops. He missed it. It's no good, and Iowa State is going to win it.
1: And I like the description there, through the raindrops, painting the picture to let
2: you know the elements could have played a factor in the loss. Yeah, nicely done there by uh, one of the pros in the business, Brandon Gaudin. And, you know, Iowa, Iowa State, you know, these low-scoring affairs even creating some excitement. Uh,
1: Washington State, Wisconsin, Uh, you heard Brandon there. This is Jason uh, Bonetti who gets the call on this one. Another – Brock Horde, by the way, is uh, another – this is a good team. Starting to like these guys as they uh, get the call on the – what is this, a Fox game. Uh, Take a listen. Fourth down. Ward. Running and roaming.
2: He's gonna launch it. Ward down the sideline. Jake Dickert and Washington State come to their coach's home state. He said at some point it'll be a dream come true to be on this field.
3: How about right now at zeros, with an upset win? this september saturday and how about cam ward made the
1: move to the palouse for moments okay there you go there's a, another upset washington state over
2: wisconsin we had a bunch yeah these upsets you know continues to be the theme if you get one of these upsets and one of these games that goes down to the wire it makes the broadcast that much better uh
1: joe testator on that kentucky florida game the georgia southern nebraska game we had another upset And uh, this is uh, Noah Eagle with the call on this one. The kick is up. It is no good. He pulled it. And Georgia Southern comes into Lincoln and stuns Nebraska. Gray Helton has officially arrived. And uh, that is Noah Eagle. You could have certainly thought it was his father there with the call,
2: uh, but he set the scene very well. Yeah, Noah Eagle uh, bringing it home on that one. 45-42 Georgia Southern over Nebraska. Another one of these Sun Belt uh, upsets. What a day for that conference. And, you know, results uh, ultimately in uh, head coach Scott Frost uh, losing his job at Nebraska. But, you know, just wild whether it was uh, – Georgia Southern, whether it was App State, whether it was Marshall, uh, these upsets that the Sunbelt teams pulled off. And if you got assigned to one of these games, it was a blessing. All right.
1: Uh, Well, that leads us in. That's a good segue. That was Noah Eagle, Iron Eagle. And we're going to bring in our announcer schedule podcast guest this week. Uh, He is Tom McCarthy. His son, Pat McCarthy, actually, had the call on the radio in Philadelphia uh, for the Phillies because Tom, a very versatile broadcaster, Uh, He had NFL duty, so we'll bring in Tom McCarthy. Uh, He is the voice of the Philadelphia Phillies, Westwood One Radio, CBS Sports, the NCAA Tournament. And indirectly, he doesn't know this, I have my job because of Tom McCarthy. So we'll get into that as well. We'll find out his journey here on the announcer schedule podcast episode 15. Tom McCarthy, how are you?
3: Guys, I'm doing great. Big Phillies win last night, so uh, that's always better to get prepared for a second game when you had a win to work off of. Tom is in uh,
1: your hometown there, Phil, Miami, uh, Phillies, Marlins. So, Tom, take us a little bit through, um, you know, I just mentioned all the things you're doing. It's a very hectic time for you right now. How are you mapping out? You've got two NFL games this weekend, Sunday CBS TV with Tiki Barber, Colts, and the – Texans, and then of course Tennessee, Colts and the Jags. Jags, Jags. Excuse me, Jags, Tennessee and the Bills with Ross Tucker. You're going to get that first Monday night game. So you got Phillies, two football games. How are you making this all work right now?
3: Well, it's uh, getting up about seven a.m. every day to make sure I start football for a few hours. Uh, In fact, I just finished my charts for the Jags and the Colts. Colts were a little easier because I had them last week, so I only had to sort of cut and paste a little bit, which made it a little made it a lot easier. Uh, I've already put the players and the numbers in for the, the bills and the Titans, and I'll go after them tomorrow a little bit more, uh, but I love it, man. It, you know, the biggest thing is a, it keeps me busy, uh, but it also keeps my mind working. And that's why I like doing all these sports. I don't do as many football and basketball games as I used to do just because of my responsibilities with the Phillies, but you know, the Phillies are so good about allowing me to slide away within reason. Um, and they've always been that way, you know? Uh, so for me, you know, it just keeps my mind rolling. And as long as I have time, I and mean, usually on the road I have more time, uh, we're all good. I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing Ross. Uh, that's when you feel old, when you work with somebody who's games you called for four years at Princeton. Um, but I love working with them, so it's going to be good.
1: We'll get back to those roots. How cool is it to know that when you're not there, your son is holding down the fort, at least on one of the sides. He's on the radio side. Scott Fransky filled in. Uh, on the TV side, full disclosure, I'm in the Philly market. So uh, I have that insight that maybe others wouldn't,
3: but Pat on radio, how neat is that? It's great. You know, I'm really proud of him. You know, he, um, I I never thought that he would do this for a living, quite honestly, because I'm gone for so long uh, or I was gone for so long while they they were all growing up um, and missed a lot of their games. You know, he's a college athlete uh, who loves sports and love the, you know, the energy of of the sport. So Uh, the fact that he's able to do it and do it at such a high level. And, you know, it's funny because I listen to him and I do hear some of my cadences with his calls, but I also hear his personality kind of rolling out, which I really like. Uh, And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he was a college pitcher um, and his dad was cut going to college to play baseball. So, you know, it's pretty cool, though. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty overwhelming, honestly, to hear him call these games and call them with larry anderson this weekend who he's known since he was five years old which is kind of funny
2: tom really appreciate you joining our program and a lot of young broadcasters tune in and want to hear how broadcasters like yourself got started in the mm-hmm. business can you give us a bit of your origin story as a broadcaster
3: yeah it's kind of a uh, a winding road to be quite honest with you phil i mean i, I went to school strictly to play baseball uh, I thought I was going to play baseball professionally, like a lot of people did. Uh, and I wouldn't listen to anybody who said, yeah, I don't think you're good enough to do it. Um, so every school I applied to, I think there were six or seven, I was a different major. You know, I was a hotel and restaurant management major in North Carolina Wesleyan. I was an English major at Indiana. I was a business major at Rutgers. And I wound up going to a Trenton State College, which is now called the College of New Jersey, Uh, because my brother was there and had played baseball and nobody in my family had gone to college. So I was just kind of following the only guy that had really gone to college. And there I was a biology major, um, (laughs) which it turns out I was a really bad biology major. (laughs) Uh, and I was actually a really bad baseball player too, because I got cut within a week. Uh, there was a thought I was going to play basketball as well, because I actually had a better senior year in basketball than I did in baseball. Uh, But and then it was a thought I was going to transfer to go play somewhere else. I decided to stay, but I also knew that I had to have some kind of sports in my life and uh, immediately started writing for a local uh, weekly newspaper. One of the guys that went to the College of New Jersey, um, you know, knew that I had gotten cut, knew that I had interest in doing some stuff. So he gave me a gig writing for a paper called the Hopewell Valley News. And I had no idea what I was doing. I went out and covered an event. And funny is the guy that I spotlighted in that story was a high school, I think junior at the time, who's now one of our official scorers with the Philadelphia Phillies. So you kind of, you know, it it goes full circle in some ways, but I sat down to write that first story, had no idea what to do. So I saw the paper next to me. I picked it up and said, huh, okay, that's a baseball game. That's how they structure it. I'll do the same thing. Uh, And that's basically how I started in sports was as a writer. I eventually went to the daily paper in Trenton called the Trenton Times and uh, covered high school sports and college sports. And, and I loved it. I loved the energy of writing on a deadline and all that other stuff. Um, but then I started doing some radio interviews and somebody told me, hey, you got a pretty good voice. You should think about doing this for a living. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I started doing Babe Ruth baseball and high school sports. I bought the time on a local radio station and sold it. Um, went out and did these events. Half the time I couldn't get on the air because the equipment was so bad. Uh, But when I did get on the air, I thought, wow, this is an incredible natural high of being a broadcaster. So one thing kind of led to another and I would cover a game for the paper and then I would broadcast the game as well. So I would make, I can't remember what it was per hour, but I, I made pretty good money as a writer at the time, but then I'd get like 50 bucks to broadcast the game. So I would I would kind of, I'd probably make like $150 for each event that I did. And uh, it was great, but I never thought I would be at this level, quite frankly. I mean, I, you know, I was enjoying what I was doing, but it was, uh, there was no path ahead of me to to figure out how to do it Uh, until the Trenton Thunder came uh, to the capital of New Jersey in 1994. And I was fortunately hired to be their first PR guy uh, and broadcaster.
2: Now, do you recall kind of the next
3: big break that got you to this network level that you're at now? Yeah, that's a really good question. So when I was at the Thunder, I had so many responsibilities and and I invite all baseball play-by-play broadcasters to to go to minor league baseball. Uh, my son has done it for the last 5 years. You know, I have another son who's a minor league ball player who's thinking about doing it if he retires. And, and I think it's the best way to get an education on how to a Uh, understand what people's responsibilities are in this business, because there's more than just you as a broadcaster. There's the advertising sales. There's the guys that pull the tarp, that take care of the field, the concession workers, all that stuff. So when I was working at the Thunder, um, I applied for the job. I I had been doing my college's football games. I wasn't on the student station, but I was on the commercial station. So I would get paid for those. And I did those for about three or four years. And then Princeton University was looking to hire a football and basketball broadcaster. So I applied for that job on a different radio station and I got that job. And that kind of was the next step for me as being the broadcaster for the minor league team in town and technically the broadcaster for the football and basketball team in town because Princeton was a neighboring town. Um, And that was to me uh, the next step, which eventually led to Rutgers football down the road and then St. Joseph's basketball. Uh, and then a lot of other things happened while I was at the Thunder. I was there for seven years and I was actually promoted to be the vice president of the team. And there was a point where I was going to leave broadcasting and go run a minor league baseball team. And I had agreed to it. And as I was driving to go sign the contract, I remember calling our owner, Joe Finley, who owns the Lehigh Valley iron pigs and still owns the Thunder. And I said, Joe, I can't do this. I can't give up my broadcasting. And he said, well, good. Cause we don't want you to, we just, know that you'd be a good manager of people. So that's why we wanted you to run this organization. I called my wife and my two boys were born at the time. And I said, "Hun, I just can't do this. And she goes, well, I don't care what you do, but make sure you bring milk home uh, because the (laughs) boys don't have any milk and I can't get out to the store to get it.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny, Tom, because we have a very similar type of path, although you ended up with the Phillies and here I am. So things have uh, changed (laughs) somewhere. I got hurt. Went to the broadcasting booth, did play-by-play for West Virginia. I called their games for three years and done various play-by-play, but did writing, called games while I was writing for the newspaper. And, you know, I started to do talk radio, and there was a station in Trenton, 920 ESPN. I believe you were there and had left. I interviewed for that position. We went back and forth. The guy who was in Atlantic City ended up getting that job, and now here I am in his spot when he Mm. left to go there. So you leaving opened up this seat for me, and here I am. Now, um, the talk show element, was that something that you've done? And a lot of people have done it, but it's a big difference between being a talk show host every day and then doing play-by-play.
3: Yeah, so so as I was going through the process of being – a front office administrator. And I turned down the job to run the minor league team. Somebody from uh, Comcast at the time, CNA, John Anderson, who was one of my directors, a great guy and helped me an awful lot in my life. He said to me, he said, people don't know if you're an administrator or if you're a broadcaster. And I said, well, what's that got to do with it? He's, you know, I had applied for a bunch of jobs. I had gotten down to the final rung for a couple of major league jobs and a couple of NBA jobs as well. And, uh, He said, well, you got to decide what you want to do. So I decided to leave the Thunder as their assistant general manager, not take the president's job or general manager's job of another team. And I took on the responsibilities of being the afternoon host for the brand new ESPN station in Trenton that was considered the ESPN affiliate of Philadelphia. I had no idea what I was doing, but I loved it. And it made me a better play by play broadcaster because the pace of being interactive with callers and interviews just made me better. And there was a, um, there was a point where um, one of the guys who ran ESPN National came down. He's from Rutgers. And the Rutgers, uh, Rutgers University was doing a piece on him. So they set it up that he was going to do the interview in our studios. We had beautiful studios in Princeton, New Jersey. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. So they needed B-roll while he was sitting there. They needed B-roll and it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and they asked me to open my show, which wasn't until three o'clock. So they said, "Can you do that? I said, yeah, sure, I could do it. So I just came up with an opening in like a matter of seconds. Well, that led to me getting a job with ESPN National as a fill-in guy for weekend shows and the Dan Lebatard show. Uh, and it was really cool. I mean, I, I loved going up to Bristol. I loved doing all that stuff. I would do some of it from my basement. Um, and while I was doing that radio show, the Phillies were looking for somebody to broadcast, do their pre and post game show. And it was 2000, September of 2000, and I had still been doing the doing the Thunder play by play with Andy Freed, who's now with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and I was up for an Emmy for TV. Our whole crew was uh, Sean Spurry was our producer, who now works for CBS, and you know Scott Bradley was my partner. John Anderson was my art director. But I had a fill-in at the Phillies because the guys, Harry Callis, Scott Graham, were going to the Emmy Awards because they were up for the same award the Phillies broadcast was. So I'm doing the fill-in, and I felt like it was going really well. Uh, It was like my third time, fourth time doing it. And my boss comes in during the post-game show, Rory McNeil, and he's standing there over me with his arms crossed like this. And I'm like, oh, man, what did I do? And he said, why didn't you tell me that you had the Emmys tonight? And I said, because I wanted to do this. And he said, You won. <laughs> and I was like, What? <laughs> wow. Our crew won. Anyway, I they had heard my radio show. Scott Graham, who had been a friend of mine, who was a friend of mine who was ascending up to do play by play, was giving up the responsibilities of the pre and post-game show. So they were looking for somebody that had that game that had radio show responsibilities, also had play-by-play responsibilities. And that's how I got hired by the Phillies for the first time. And started in 2001, just doing the pre and post game show. I would do the road games for my basement. I built the studio in my basement, which then would allow me to do the stuff for um, ESPN National. And that is where I left minor league baseball for good. And, you know, didn't do any play by play for the first couple of years. I knew that I was 32 years old, but I knew that there would be an opportunity to do it. So I was doing Rutgers football at the time, Princeton basketball, uh, and it was great. It was great.
2: What a journey, Tom. And back to the play-by-play side and, you know, what you have going on this season, we mentioned, you know, you've got a CBS game, Mm Colts-Jaguars on Sunday, and then you're headed to the radio side, national radio side with Westwood One on Monday night. Can you tell our audience a little bit how that prep might differ or actually also the execution of the game, whether it's on national television or national radio?
3: Yeah, so the prep is pretty much the same. The only thing that's different is that I have meetings with the teams for TV, which is a great outlet to get information, to tell stories. I don't have that same stuff with radio, uh, but there's plenty of information out there. My charts are exactly the same, though. My preparation's exactly the same. You know, my charts are – it's the only thing I still write out are my football charts because I, I can't remember anything without writing all this stuff out. So those are the charts that I built – Uh, Those are the same ones I've been doing since I started at CBS 12 years ago uh, and doing Princeton football and and Rutgers football. So that's the same. Uh, But I sort of carve out hours each day for a specific game that I'm doing, Uh, and that seems to make it a little easier. Now, I'm driving back and forth to Buffalo, so what I would normally be able to do on a plane I can't really do, but it's making it easier for me to be then back to do the Phillies game on Tuesday, uh, which is obviously the priority is making sure I'm back for that game on Tuesday.
2: And then do you have to kind of reset in your mind, like, Hey, this is a radio game on Monday night. And let me, let me, uh, the delivery actually has to be different. Of course.
3: Yeah. Phil, it's gotta be more descriptive. Um, and and it does take time. You know, I haven't done much radio since the NCAA tournament. Actually I haven't done any radio since the NCAA tournament. Um, but with every sport, it takes time. It takes a few moments for your mind to sort of cycle into the pace of doing a radio game uh, compared to a TV game. But I love it. Um, again, I think all of this stuff that we do, and, and I don't do as, like I said, as much as I used to, uh, it makes me better. It just makes me a better broadcaster. It makes me a better partner. It makes me a better uh, person understanding all of these jobs that people have to make a living and how I rely on them so much. And um, that to me is the exhilarating part of this as well. Tom, I
1: think one of the interesting things about what you're doing is, you know, you've done games on CBS television, Westwood One Radio, the NCAA tournament. I think you've called some games for Fox Baseball. How the yep. different – every the producers approach those games differently and how that kind of changes your approach to getting ready for a game.
3: You know, it's a good question, Mike, because I have, I've had a different producer um, for most of the games that I do for spurts. So the last couple of years, Deb Bulak has been my producer for the NFL and we, uh, we have a really good synergy going prior to that. It was Sellers shy who is also the lead producer for golf for CBS. And I love working with sellers. Um, so you kind of get used to their tendencies for basketball. I pretty much have a different producer. Every single game. I do a lot of young people. Uh, and I love that because that's invigorating to me as a 54 year old broadcaster is that these young folks have so many different ideas. And as long as I'm open minded about it, and I am really open minded about it, uh, it's embracing for me to have that. Um, for baseball, I have the best producer, honestly, that I've ever had in anything that I've done in Jeff Halleckman. And, you know, he, he loves the Phillies, loves the Eagles, and loves everything about Philadelphia. So every time we have a game, I always tell people that every game is a totally different story. And that's because he makes it a totally different story. So um, I kind of feed off them. They'll tell you that they feed off me, but I really feel like it's the same thing with my partners. I feed off their strengths uh, just as I feed off the producer's strengths.
2: Tom, I'd love to reflect back a little bit to week 18 of this past NFL season where suddenly you were in the situation Panthers, Buccaneers working with you know the game that was being shown to the you know primary part of the country working with Tony Romo filling in for Jim Nance, mm-hmm. Tracy Wolfson on the sideline. Can you tell us the manifestation of all that um, you know from your perspective what it was like getting that call and then logistically how you had to handle it
3: Well it, it was awesome you know Jim Rickoff is the main producer for CBS's a game and Jim was my producer for a year uh, in the NFL while he was getting himself reacclimated to leading a telecast. So he and I were like clockwork. I mean, he's, you know, I look at him as a brother to me. Um, so that was easy, you know, so I, I had been the primary fill-in for anybody who came down with COVID over a few years, um, with CBS, but I hadn't filled in for anybody. Everybody was, we, we were knock on wood healthy, which was great. Um, so it just so happened that Jim contracted COVID and they needed somebody to slide in. I was off that week. And, um, you know, they asked if I would do it. And actually, I shouldn't say that. I was supposed to do basketball that week. And I I was on two different games for basketball because they didn't know um, if, I think it was Brad Nestler whether he could travel or not. So I was preparing for two basketball games on Monday and Tuesday for Saturday and Sunday. And then all of a sudden on a Wednesday, they called and said, hey, change of plans. You're going to go to Tampa. I said, oh, really? For what? And they said, for Buccaneers and Panthers. And I'm sitting there in my mind. I was like, that's the A game. Um, but you know, CBS has been really good to me. They, they've given me a lot of responsibility, and I really like that. I like that that opportunity. And, and I loved working with Tony and Tracy. I mean Tracy's really unbelievably prepared. She's fantastic at her job. Uh, and Tony, he's just like a big kid. I mean he um he's got such a great energy about him that he makes the hype of a game a, a game It doesn't matter what it is. Tom,
1: uh, we'll let you go here in a couple more real quick because you have such a great story. You have so many different partners. Kruk, mm. m- very fun. Uh, ben, uh, you brought in Ruben this year. You've had Schmidt in in, in games. Uh, how do you, you know changing your partners so often? Is that a challenge?
3: You know, it's not, Mike, only because, I, I, I mean, I you know, even when Sarge and Wheels were on, they were they were together for the game, but they were totally different. So you had to adjust even in the game about how to do it. I've always had different partners. Um, My biggest thing is, you know, particularly on TV, it's not about me on TV. It's really about them. And for me to bring out the best of them, the best I can, that's the key. You know, on radio, I think it's more about the play-by-play guy. Uh, But on TV, it's more about who the analyst is. And and I like the different guys. I really do. You know, I I know that I have to set guys up differently. You know, um, Ben knows an awful lot about this game. Uh, and sometimes I have to engage him a little bit more than I have to engage. Well, I definitely don't have to engage Kruk. Um, <laughs> I just let him go and I just try to keep him on a path. And, uh, he knows where the line is, um, that he can cross. Uh, but he's really funny sometimes with some of his stories that, that come out of nowhere. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, you know, they, they said it, it was actually a letter from a fan saying, can you keep him from telling all these stories for so long? I said, no. I said, because the first time I'm hearing them is the first time everybody else is hearing them. Yeah. Um I thought the guy who
1: filled in for the inning that night, he came very prepared, that guy, and got some great stuff
3: out of Cruk. Yeah, he did. He did. You know, that was that was pretty cool. Um, you know, Johnny is Johnny's a man that um has he, he doesn't he doesn't plan anything that he says. It's whatever pops in and pops out. And uh I like that about all these guys. I mean, they're all different personalities and I like that. Uh, you know, just just got to stay out of their way and just make sure you, you keep on the, the target of the game. One of the biggest, you know, um, the biggest things people always say, there's some people that don't like all the food shots that we have or all the food in the booth. And they think, well, these guys are always eating. Like we're not like we bring them in, we show them, we take a bite on TV and then we pass them off to the crew. Um, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that, you know, you just kind of ride with. We don't even know half the stuff that's going on until it actually happens. When the doorbell rings in the booth, we're like, Oh, who's this? Most of the time, it's the fanatics. So that's what we're thinking, or Bull, um, Greg Lasinski. But you know, we never know what's going on. Yeah, Tom. Um, obviously, in this region, uh,
1: Harry Callis is very well known. You had to be the guy that followed yeah. Harry, and you know, we're we're you know well, that was '09. Um, but is that something that was difficult to kind of get off the ground? Uh, how how was that kind of being the next guy after
3: Harry? You know, Mike, I think the biggest thing was I was a radio guy coming to TV. And for the first couple of years I was doing radio on television. I'll go back and listen now and I'll be like, man, you talked a lot. I mean, people think I talk a lot now. I don't compared to other teams and their broadcasts, but everybody's perception is different. That was the biggest thing. I mean, I came back to replace Harry whenever he was gonna retire, but we thought it was 10 years down the road. And unfortunately in 09, the worst day of any of our lives as broadcasters, but more so for his family, was when he passed away in D.C. Um, Gary Matthews told me one time, he pulled me aside. And, Gar- and Sarge and I are really good friends, but, and we joke a lot. But this was a really serious conversation. He looked at me and he said, you know, somebody had to take over for Willie Mays at one point. But they weren't Willie Mays. They were just the next guy. He said, you don't have to be Willie Mays. You know, he said, just be yourself. And that's what Harry always used to tell me. Harry knew I was coming back for this role and he welcomed me with open arms. And, you know, he laid a lot of the groundwork for some of the things that I'm doing now. He would leave most weekends in September to do Notre Dame football. Um, He wouldn't do the NFL on radio until after the season was over most times, but he would go to NFL films a couple of times a week and miss games to do voiceovers. You know, he was irreplaceable on so many levels and we miss him every single day because nobody could make the big call. Me, Scott Fransky, doesn't matter who it is. Nobody can make the big call uh, as well as Harry does. Uh, and I'm glad that he was here for so many years because, you know, it, it, it was fair to this great city to have such a great broadcaster. And, you know, I just try to be myself and be as prepared as possible and do the games um, with the greatest respect that I can. And I love the fact that I'm linked to him more as a friend than anything else.
1: Well, uh, Philadelphia is known for it. Tom uh, McCarthy is the voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. Westwood won CBS Sports. If you're in the car or you're watching TV, you've heard Tom's voice doing something. We get to hear him hear it now. Phillies could be a playoff team. I know that uh, the TV won't do them, but these late season games, what's going to happen then? Is Tom McCarthy going to be on the Phillies late season broadcast? or Are we going to have you on football?
3: Well, so this is my last game this weekend uh, before uh, the end of the season. Uh, and that's kind of an agreement that I have with the Phillies. And CBS is awesome about it. So I had a, I had a week four game scheduled for CBS. Um, and my boss at CBS, he and I communicate, you know, right up front about all of it. Uh, so I've stepped away from that game. And uh, Beth Mowins is going to fill in for it. He's going to do the game because Beth does games too for CBS. She and I kind of share a lot of the duties uh, for the back end games. It's why I'm on the number seven crew is because I have sort of the – I don't want to say the freedom because that's probably the wrong way of saying it, but I have the latitude if we are in a race to be able to say, hey, guys, i got to stay with the Phillies, and they totally understand that, which is great. All right. Uh, Tom McCarthy, versatile,
1: the voice of the Phillies, NCAA. We can't wait for that. We'll hear his voice there. Uh, Excuse me, uh, NFL – uh, Monday Night Football, this week you'll have that first game with Ross Tucker and on the radio, Westwood One, CBS, it'll be Indy and the Jags with Tiki Barber. Tom McCarthy, we thank you for being a part of the announcer schedule bro- uh,
3: podcast. Guys, I appreciate it. It was great. Very good Yeah, stuff. thanks so
2: much, Tom, and, and good luck this week, and, and thanks for supporting the Twitter feed at announcer skeds over the years as well.
1: You got it. I appreciate you guys doing it. It really helps. All right, uh, Tom, we appreciate him. We thank him for being a part of the podcast this week. Phil, there you go, man. Uh, He
2: spanned it all, and indirectly, I have
1: my job because Tom left his job.
2: Yeah, that's wild. And, you know, really love hearing these origin stories, you know, just, I mean, talking about paying your dues and kind of figuring out things as you go along. And uh, one of the best in the business, no doubt.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, and, again, he's – you mentioned that he filled in on that A-team um, for Nance a couple of years ago with Romo, uh, but, you know, there's so many guys out there doing this job that, uh, you know, aren't the, the A-level guys that are just doing so many things, and you almost envy the fact that they get to do so many things, you know, that they're not just doing the one game a week for – he does baseball, he gets to do the NCAA, he does football, he gets to do radio, That that, that is really – uh, a very cool um, – a lot of these guys that we've talked to, Phil, that they're so versatile and have done so many different things.
2: Yeah, and I'm thinking back, and I would have to really kind of dig back into the Twitter archives, but I remember sending out a, a, a photo um, of Tom that day when he was at the Panthers-Buccaneers game, and it may have gotten more retweets and – likes than anything that's ever come out of the announcer skeds Twitter feed. The appreciation that that Tom was um doing that game and his fans, you know, a lot of whom were up there in the, the Philly area coming out and supporting him. But then also the the response during the game of just how good of a job he was doing, you know, with the with the A team and filling in for Nance, that was a um, you know, a significant day broadcasting in these past couple of years, when you think about sort of like, you know, the highlights and the the big moments as the schedules are juggled and, you know, where people land at different spots. But I just wanted to take note of that, that that was a very well received moment um, as far as the followers of, you know, this kind of thing and sports broadcasting.
1: All right. Uh, Tom McCarthy was our guest this week. Uh, We've uh, gone through a whole bunch of college stuff Uh, So let's get back quickly into what's on tap for this week, week three of college football, uh, which starts on Friday night. We drop on Thursdays on the Sports Media Watch feed. Rate, review, subscribe, like us, uh, share, ask questions, leave reviews. If you enjoyed the conversation with Tom McCarthy, that all helps out. Let's go to Friday night with the college football and quickly give the rundown for uh, the uh, Friday-Saturday slates
2: yeah we're in full swing of course with college football um thursday pretty much you know taking the night off in terms of fbs clearing things out for that amazon prime game on the nfl side florida state louisville is the big espn game on friday night roy philpot will handle play-by-play duties there and then air force at wyoming over on cbs sports network rich waltz and aaron taylor so chance to get kind of your college football weekend started on friday night there over on Saturday, of course, uh,
1: you mentioned the uh, college game day will be at App State. That kind of kicks uh, la- the the day off for the college game day at Appalachian State. But the games all start. We actually have an
2: 11 am Yeah, you know, you don't have this too often. And for those uh, college football junkies, you might as well tune in to ACC Network at 11 a.m. There's a Virginia Tech game as they host Wofford. Uh, West Durham, uh real uh, veteran presence there handling play-by-play duties for that game uh, he's also the voice of the Falcons on radio so always an interesting weekend for him you know making it from a college game on Saturday t- over to Atlanta but this should be pretty easy travel considering the game's an 11 a.m start and then all sorts of action at noon you know the noon window is actually my personal favorite if you're you know, able to settle in for college football, you know, there's just action happening on every network imaginable. Uh, just a couple of high highlights, uh, UConn, Michigan on ABC with, uh choosing on the call, our buddy, Bob was And then Oklahoma, Nebraska is the big noon uh, game over on Fox, Gus Johnson and Joel Clatt, Georgia, South Carolina has got that McDonough and Blackledge crew over on ESPN. And then there's games on down the dial, you know, um, Whether it be CBS Sports Network, Big Ten Network, SEC Network, FS1, ESPNU, uh, all sorts of action. And then as the day rolls on, you know a couple other of the big games, the big matchups: Penn State Auburn, 3:30 p.m. over on CBS. Nestler and Danielson, Uh, Ole Miss Georgia Tech is the big ABC game at 3:30. That's with uh, Dave Pash. And then BYU Oregon uh, gets the 3:30 p.m. uh, Fox uh, slot. So. All sorts of action. And then it culminates in prime time. And it's kind of interesting. The the Fowler Herb Street Row crew is will be on ESPN as opposed to ABC uh, this Saturday. The ABC game at seven thirties, Michigan State, Washington. That's Mark Jones RG3, who we've talked about, you know, kind of you know, some some early impact from him. And then Miami at AM, uh, Texas AM trying to bounce back from that upset defeat. To App State, uh, Fowler, Herb Street, Row uh, on the call on the ESPN call of that one. So, 10 p.m. If you if you if you haven't had enough already, you know we're heading into hours 13, 14, 15 of you know, college football Saturday. San Diego State, Utah. Uh, Dave Fleming on the call for that one over on um, ESPN two. So, all sorts of action on Saturday. What else do you expect? College football is here.
1: Yep. And uh, plenty of uh, games that you can kind of pick from uh, through various networks. Let's get the latest from Major League Baseball, uh, because as we just talked to
2: Tom McCarthy, the baseball season down the stretch, they come. Yeah. Kind of interesting once again, you know, because, you know, Fox this past weekend, we mentioned this last week as well, you know, had a couple of primetime games and, you know, the. Joe Davis and Adam Amines of the world, Kevin Kugler as well, you know, who are used on Fox major league baseball had NFL assignments on that Sunday. And so that gave opportunities to um, other play by play announcers. Once again, Aaron Goldsmith uh, getting the assignment to the primary game, him working with John Smoltz and then Jeff Levering uh, had a, a opportunity to work a Fox national game as well with A.J. Przinski, So it's just kind of interesting how that all shakes out with Davis, Amin, and Kugler with the NFL. All
1: right, we'll wrap things up with a couple of uh, notes here. Walt Frazier, uh, broadcaster and a player, Basketball Hall of Fame. Congratulations to uh,
2: Walt Frazier, one of the best out there, uh, always entertaining. I love Clyde Walt Frazier. I had the chance to actually uh, work with him once and um, just by total luck, um, I was sitting in the media dining room at a Miami Heat game, Heat-Knicks, and um, I actually had the assignment of working talent stats with with um, the Knicks broadcast, but I'm sitting there just having my pregame meal and... Walt Frazier sat down next to me and suddenly he and I are are engaged in this conversation and he couldn't have been nicer. He was so cool just like he appears on on camera and uh certainly with his uh you know wardrobe as well like uh, what a what a cool guy and um he does such a great job. He is so beloved by by the Knicks fans and he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame as a broadcaster and the first to ever um, have that honor, Basketball Hall of Famer, both as a broadcaster and a player. Okay, the WNBA
1: Finals, uh, Ryan Rucco, we'll have to get him on the show, good guy, Rebecca Lobo, uh, this is a good uh, uh, WNBA crew.
2: Yeah, so WNBA in, in full swing um, in terms of their finals, ESPN, ABC, yeah. Um, you mentioned the play-by-play and analysts also they're using um, Andrea Carter as kind of a sideline analyst so she's an, an up-and-comer who they they've got in a big spot here and then Holly Rowe reporting once again from the WNBA playoffs and talking about someone working hard in terms of the the scheduling side of things you know she'll have a college football game every Saturday um you know she's also part of the jazz broadcast ESPN uses her in so many so many spots but You know, she she makes it however, whatever it takes to get to that WNBA finals matchup, uh, wherever it may be. Uh, And then, uh, of course,
1: let's check in uh, what's going on locally for uh, where we are and uh, what's happening down in South Beach.
2: Yeah. So South Beach, you know, looking forward to another big weekend. The Dolphins had the big win over the Patriots. So, uh, you know, a lot of optimism down there. Uh, Greg Gumble was on the call for that one. And then this weekend, the Dolphins are at the Ravens. Kevin Harlan coming uh, down, um, you know, being able to give the call of the Dolphins game. That game, of course, will happen in Baltimore. Trent Green will be the analyst. And then the, Hurricanes heading to Texas A&M, a lot of excitement. We've been talking about that as far as, you know, Mario Cristobal goes. Um, Fowler, Herb, Street, and Roe on the call for that one. Also, that game's going to be on Compass Media nationally. Greg Daniels and Steve Berline on the call for that one. Canes and Aggies. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to that Miami Hurricane radio network as well. Joe Zagacki with the retirement of Gene Decker off from Florida State and the retirement of Mick Hubert from the University of Florida as the voices of those two programs, Joe Zagacki, the Dean of, you know, Florida college football play by players. And uh, he's back for another year along with Don Bailey Jr. in the booth. So they do a great job as well. So, you know, football season, full swing, you know, Miami, despite the, the uh, success of the heat, you know, it's kind of a bit of a debate whether Miami's a basketball or a football town, these, these, uh, years because of you know the heat have had such success, but at the end of the day, you know football still reigns supreme down there. I w- I would say and you know certainly you know a lot of optimism both Canes and Dolphins big matchups this weekend.
1: Uh, and then over here locally, we just had Tom McCarthy on. As you know, uh, you got a little bit of a mix up with him because he's out doing football. Scott Fransky did the TV last week, uh, and Pat McCarthy, Tom's son, did radio, which is interesting because. The radio broadcast for the Phillies has about three or four different guys who rotate through the booths there. Michael Bourne has been doing it for this series down in Miami. The TV side will be Scott Franski filling in for McCarthy, who has been in and out because of the football here. So uh, that's really something to keep an eye on here. We had the debut of uh, three postgame shows for the Eagles. You talk about an Eagles town, Phil three post-game shows uh, all kind of competing against each other. It's been something to watch because, as we know, video streaming services, not Amazon Prime or Apple TV+, but YouTube, local YouTube shows with big-name talent, Seth Joyner, um, Derek Gunn, Mike Missinelli, all veterans in the Philly market, Devin Caney, they debuted their post-game show on YouTube, NBC Sports Philadelphia had their new look with Ron Jaworski, uh, Barrett Brooks, Ruben Frank took over as kind of the reporter uh, for Ray Dittinger. uh, Jaworski took over for Seth Joyner, who went to this uh, YouTube outlet. Uh, And then another post-game show, Inside the Birds. They have theirs with Jeff Mosher and Adam Kaplan, two veteran reporters. Adam Kaplan used to be ESPN. Uh, he does serious radio. And their uh, analyst is Trey Thomas. So we got three postgame shows here in Philly. You think the Eagles mean something here?
2: yeah, i would I would say so. <laughs> wow. yeah, that's a lot of options for the, you know uh, viewers and listeners out there. All right. What do you got coming up? Well, here in Brevard, North Carolina, we're in full swing in terms of our. NCA Division Three action. I'll be working a uh, volleyball tournament on Friday, actually on the uh, public address announcing side of things. And then Saturday, uh, more Fox Sports 1 action. I'll be handling the numbers with uh, Eric Collins and Devin Gardner. And then Sunday, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm heading up to to Pittsburgh to work that ESPN radio game, really looking forward to that one patriot Steeler. so if you're able to tune into any of that action and you hear something numerical um that's me behind the scenes all right there you go and uh, make sure
1: you say hello to my friend sal palantonio uh there as well he does every friday here on 97.3 espn in atlantic city so three o'clock friday you can hear sal pal here and you'll be working with him on that broadcast all right I think we hit on just about as much as we could. We probably had more, uh, but we had such a good conversation with Tom McCarthy uh, that we missed out on some of the action calls from this week. But episode 15 of the announcer schedules podcast is in the book. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe to the Sports Media Watch feed. TJ and John drop on Wednesdays. They do a great job. Uh, if you are a fan of ratings, uh and all that kind of stuff, the the ratings they're talking this week for uh, Alabama-Texas NFL Week 1, Buck and Aikman's and major, uh, Monday Night Football debut, uh, check out their podcast on Wednesdays, Tuesdays. George Offman, tell me a story I don't know. Do. Dan Pompey, uh, remember the Sporting News. Uh, Dan Pompey, I remember reading him as a kid at the Sporting News. Um, he is uh, the guest this week uh, on Sports Media Watch feed. All right. For Phil, I'm Mike. This is episode 15. We will be back next week with another edition of the announcer schedule podcast. See you later.